Amen. Amen. All right. Grab your Bibles. Remain standing for just a minute. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Acts chapter number 12. Acts chapter number 12. I am so glad that we serve a great God. A great God. A loving God. A, a merciful God. A God that's sometimes hard to understand. Would you agree with that? Say amen. amen. Sometimes he's hard to figure out. Sometimes we don't understand what he's doing. But, but he's got his way. Amen. Acts chapter number 12. Acts chapter number 12. We're going to... We're going to uh, uh, just preach just a few moments on, on the subject of miracles and prayer. Miracles and prayer. Uh, uh, we all have, have said uh, from time to time, we, we sure need a miracle. Man, we need God to, to, to do something. Uh, what is a miracle? It's basically something that you can't do on your own. Something that's supernatural. Something that it, it, it takes the hand of God. It takes the power of God to make that happen. Uh, in, in, in Acts chapter number 12... Uh, I, I was looking through, usually I will take a chapter and, and we will just go through that chapter and study and, and, and preach out of that chapter, but really I just want to do this, I want to use this chapter as a launching point to preach a truth today. And, uh, and, and so I want to I share this story, I, I was going through the New Testament and found uh, where and when the disciples needed a miracle, and what did they do about it? So here we are in Acts chapter number 12 and verse number 1. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the, the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Now here's the thing I want you to get. Anytime Satan tries to destroy the church, he always aims at the leaders. He killed James, and now he's after Peter. Peter was the most influential person, influential character in the church at that particular time. Uh, he was the main character before Paul uh, uh, came on the scene, and he's after the church. He's after the leadership of the church. If you can cut off the head, you can kill the body. Say amen. Now, what is the point of that? Uh, this really has nothing to do with the message, but I, I feel strongly about this. You always need to pray for the leaders of this church. They have a target on them like nobody else does. So pray for your leaders. The Bible says in verse number 4, And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers, that's 16 different soldiers, to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. He had every plan to execute him. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer. Say that with me. But Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. What's the point? When you need a miracle, it's time to pray. If you need something big, if you need something beyond your ability, if you need something beyond uh, what you have to do or give, you have to pray. Say amen. When Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. In other words, he's bound, he's chained up, he's got a soldier on each side of him, he's got soldiers outside of the door in a prison. He's in a bad way. Verse 7, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and the chains fell off from his hands. Now he's fixing to be executed the next day, and the angel had to wake him up. Now, how many of y'all are glad that you can have peace in the midst of a storm? He said, son, it's time to get up. The chains fall off of him. 
And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. The whole time Peter's thinking he's dreaming. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came under the iron gate that opened uh, to them of his own accord. See, miracle after miracle after miracle is taking place. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the people of the Jews. In other words, what he's saying, I know now a miracle has taken place. Look at verse number, look at verse number uh, 5 one more time and then we'll pray. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer, prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy, your kindness. Lord, please bless us today. I pray that your perfect will be done in this place. And God will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. There was a man in the 1800s by the name of George Mueller. Uh, if, you're, if you're very familiar with church history or anything like that, uh, you're familiar with this name. George Mueller was a minister. He was a man of God that, that probably he's been, he's been called one of the most influential uh, prayer warriors or one of the most pr powerful prayer warriors since the early church in the apostolic days. This man started many, many ministries, but one of the most influential parts of his ministries was his orphanages. He went to England and began uh, orphanages for the children that were running around in the streets. And uh, how many of y'all, Charles Dickens, Oliver Twist? Y'all know what I'm talking about? That, that particular, it was the same type era during that same type period of time. And, and he saw these kids, and he saw them without food. He saw them without shelter. He saw them hungry and destitute and in need. But the, the, the need was great. I mean, it was going to take a miracle to do something about this because the amount of money it would require to house and to feed and to clothe all of these kids. But he felt the call to do that. During this time, during this time, he started the orphanages. He took them in, he fed them, he clothed them, educated them. And through his orphanage in Bristol, Mueller cared for as many as 2,000 orphans at a time. More than 10,000 in his lifetime. Yet he never made the needs of his ministries known to anyone except to God in prayer. Only through his annual reports did people learn after the fact what the needs had been during the previous year and how God had provided. Mueller, watch this, this is awesome. Mueller had over 50,000 specific recorded answers to prayer in his journals. 30,000 of which he said were answered the same day or the same hour that he prayed them. Think of it. That's 500 definite answers to prayer each year, more than one per day, every single day for 60 years. God funneled, now in our day's time, in our money today, God funneled through him and used through him over half a billion dollars through his hands in answers to prayer. Are y'all with me? One specific instance, one specific situation. The children were dressed and ready for school, but there was no food. There was nothing in the cupboard. There was nothing uh, to eat. The house mother of the orphanage came and told George Mueller about the situation. 
George told her to take the 300 children that was there at that particular one into the dining room and have them sit at the tables. He thanked God for the food. By the way, he's thanking God for food that ain't in front of him. Y'all with me? He thanked God for the food and waited. George knew that God would provide for the children as he always did. Within minutes, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew. Somehow I knew that I needed to bake bread. And so I got up at 2 o'clock in the morning and began to bake bread. Do you need any bread? That's not all. A few moments later, the milkman said, Mr. Mueller, the wheel has come off my wagon and I need to unload this milk and it's going to go bad if somebody doesn't use it. Could y'all use some milk? Now, let me tell you what's happening right now. Here's what most of y'all are doing right now. Oh, come on. You know why? Because we've gotten so skeptical of God, we don't even believe this stuff anymore. But that's, listen, you're in good company. Do you realize in Acts chapter number 12, if you'll keep reading in that chapter, do you know that they were in there praying, Oh, God, deliver Peter. Oh, God, save his life. Oh, God, they're going to kill him tomorrow. Oh, God, help us. And when he was actually delivered, he comes to the house where they're praying, and he knocks on the door, and the, and the young girl comes and opens, sees his Peter and says, Woo-hoo! And they come back and say, Hey, guys, hey, guys, Peter's at the door. And you know what they said? No. Read it. Why, why do we come and sing? Why do we come and pray to a God and then don't believe that he can do what he said he would do? Now, I'm not getting on anybody because I'm skeptical too. That's my nature. I can't help it. I've seen so many charlatans and so much fake junk. It, it just makes everything, you know, you always look at it through those kind of glasses. And I, but let me tell you something. How many of y'all trust me? How many of y'all trust me? How many of y'all know that I'm going to tell you the truth no matter what, whether you like it or not? Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I had a need. <clears throat> I didn't tell nobody. Zero. I told nobody about it. I was standing right over there in that corner, right in between the sound booth and that door over there, and someone walked past me and put something in my hand and said, here, use this for whatever you need it. And I and I I looked at it and I, I thought I thought, hmm. After church I looked at it and I said, Oh mercy. I about started crying. It was more than what I needed for the situation. Here's what happened. I went and got a thank you card to thank the people uh, that, that that was such a blessing to me. And and when I gave it, he said, I tell you what, I don't know what the deal was. I just come to church and, and God said for me to give this to you. And that's said, here we go. I just had this overwhelming minute to give this to you. Here it is. What's the point? I'm not saying, I don't even like talking about that. I would never even bring that up in a million years because the Bible says don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing when it comes to giving. It's not about that. I'm telling you this, what happened with George Mueller, it's happened today. This is not some fairy tale. This is not some fancy story to get you to feel better about things and all this. God can still answer prayer. God can still move in an incredible way. God is still a God of miracles. The problem is, is we don't believe it. George Mueller would pray and God would move. 
George Mueller would pray and God would move. But the cool part about this is Elijah would do the same thing. Elijah prayed on the mountain and fire fell down from heaven. But what does it say in the New Testament? It says Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. Let me translate that in Alabama language. That means he put his britches on just like I do. He was a human being. He had needs. He had weaknesses. He had frailties. But when he prayed, God moved on his prayer. Preacher, what are you saying? God can and still will answer prayer if we would actually pray. Somebody say amen. Prayer. When they got in trouble, they prayed. When they had a need, they prayed. When they were struggling, they prayed. When they were broken, they prayed. When they were needy, they prayed. They prayed. Why? Because they followed a man who would pray. They followed Jesus. And when they said teach us, they didn't say teach us how to preach. They didn't say teach us how to sing. They said teach us how to, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Let me give you three things real quickly. I, I, I really don't, I, I don't want to, you know, sometimes you, you, you want to encourage folks to pray by telling them what prayer will do. And, and that's kind of the, the route I wanted to go, but that's not really what God wanted today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume, I'm going to assume today that you already know that God can do big things, right? I'm going to assume that you know that, that there is nothing impossible to God. There is no problem too big. There is no issue too large. There is no need too great that he can't meet it. He can't solve it. He can't be. Prayer works. I'm going to assume we all believe that. Would y'all all say amen to that? Okay, I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to say what prayer will do. We already know that. Here's what I do want to talk about. I want to talk about prayer itself. What is prayer? What is prayer? And, 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 and what, why, why should we not take it for granted? Number one, and really the, most of the message is in point one, so please get this. This is so important. Preacher, what is prayer? I mean, actually, what is prayer? Prayer, A, or number one, if you're writing this down, I want you to write this down. It is the privilege of access. It is the privilege of access. Are y'all with me? The privilege. Now, here's, here's what I want you to understand. Coming into the presence of God through prayer is a privilege Watch what it says. Watch what it says. In Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 18. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Hebrews 4, 14. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest which is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Watch this. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, why is that significant? Why is it significant to understand that we have access to God? We can go right into God's presence. We can go right into the throne room of God. We can come before a holy God. A sinful and a broken man could come before a holy and a righteous God. Why is that important? Because if you go back to the Old Testament, you'll have to understand this. Nobody had admittance to the, the presence of God. Only the high priest could go in once a year and not without blood. He had to take 
a sacrifice. He had to take a lamb. And blood had to be offered for the sins of man in order to have access to a holy God. What's the point? Listen, our privilege to come to God in prayer should be taken honorably and should be taken with reverence and respect because it was not cheap. It cost Jesus his life so that we could come before the throne of God. What I'm saying is, is this privilege was purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on a cross. Jesus was beaten, battered, and bruised, betrayed, hung before God and man. He shed his life's blood. He was destroyed on a cross so that you could be forgiven. Not only so you could be forgiven, but so you would have access to God. And that's all prayer is. Prayer is a privilege of coming into the presence of God. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a teacher. You don't need an elder. You don't need to go tell your sins to another priest. That's a bunch of hogwash. That's not even biblical. Jesus died on a cross so you could go right into the throne of glory. Do you know when Jesus died on the cross in the temple? In the temple, (coughs) excuse me, there was a curtain or a veil, if you will, that went all the way from the top all the way to the bottom, and that veil was testifying, you can go no further. This is holy ground. This is the glory. Listen, this is where God's realm and God's glory resides. You can't go further. But when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that veil was rent from the top all the way to the bottom, not from the bottom to the top. God wanted every human being to know it wasn't man that done it. It was God that done it. God made access so we could go right into the presence of God and all God's people say it what a privilege what a privilege to have access to God listen there's there's people I don't have access to there's people I'd like to talk to there's people I'd like to have a word with there's people I'd like to sit down maybe and get some advice from but I don't have access to them I'm not not high enough on the chain or whatever it might be. I just don't have access to them. You know, and, and I hate to say this, but sometimes sometimes uh, people get, you know, frustrated with me because they don't have access to me. In some ways, in some things, there's, there's something about growing as a church. You got, there's just so many things that has to happen. And well, when we were in the little church down there, there were about 30 people. We made every decision on the fly. You could holler down the hallway and say, hey, we're going to do this. You could do about anything you wanted, anytime you wanted, however you want. It didn't really matter because it wasn't that structured. It wasn't that big a deal. But when you do things now in this type of environment and this type, everything has to be organized. Everything has to be scheduled or it would be mass chaos around here. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And they have to have my schedule so planned out so that we don't miss. And even with that, we still you know, stuff still falls through the cracks. And sometimes people get frustrated because they can't have access to me. Well, let me tell you something. There's one person who's the only one you really need access to that never has a waiting line. And it is a privilege to come into his presence and come boldly. Listen, not in condemnation, but come boldly. You know, <laughs> I've, I've got a daughter <clears throat> You know, they say the babies are spoiled. You ever know that? Especially when you have several of them. When you have a whole litter, you get it figured out by the last one. Say amen. 
You know, you just realize there's some things that's just not that big a deal by the time the last one comes along, or you're just too tired to care. Say amen. And by the time Mackenzie comes around, you know, she just, oh, whatever, you know, house is burning down, call the fire department, just, you know. It just, it just really don't matter. Well, she is, she, uh, she had no concept whatsoever of what a door meant. And in my office, I, I would be in there counseling or whatever. How many of y'all have ever seen that show Seinfeld? Anybody raise your hand, raise Seinfeld? Oh, y'all are so spiritual. Don't act like y'all ain't never seen Seinfeld. How many of y'all have ever seen Kramer on Seinfeld? You know the dude with the cool hair? How many of y'all have ever seen him enter a room? Do you know where he learned that from? McKenzie. I don't care who I'm in there with. I don't care who I was talking to. I don't care how serious the situation. I don't care how they were grieving, how they were broken. They were weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth in the office. Here come Kramer McKenzie. No knocking, no asking, no anything. You know why she could do that? Because that was her daddy's office. And she had access to her daddy. She didn't need permission from nobody. That was her daddy. She didn't need to ask anybody. That was her daddy. She didn't need to get confirmation. That was her daddy. She was coming to get whatever she need. And she had no problems asking for anything from the credit card to anything else. Say amen. Do you realize you have access to your Father in heaven? Jesus told you when you pray, you pray in this manner, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You come to him as your Father, not just as a deity, not just as a God, not just as a supreme being. He wants you to know you have relationship. He wants you to know you are special. He wants you to know you are connected. You're the apple of his eye. You are his child and he is your Father. We have access. Prayer is a privilege. It's a privilege, and we don't see that. It's a privilege. It's not. We look at prayer as this command, as this responsibility. No, no, it's a privilege. How many of y'all know sometimes privileges are not understood till you don't have them anymore? Lose your license one time. And, and, and by the way, the government will tell you, it's not a right. You don't have a right to drive. It's a privilege. After you done called the fifth one to take you to Piggly Wiggly, and they can't say amen right there. What would happen? What would happen if God all, just automatically just stopped here in prayer? It's a privilege. And if it's a privilege, let's actually do it. Because it was very costly. It cost a lot for us to be able to go into the throne and have access to God. Let's not take that for granted. Church, say amen. Number two. Number two, prayer, it's a privilege. It really is. It's a privilege of access. Then, then number two, write this down. It's a point of acknowledgement. And I'm, I'm not going to be long on this, and I just want to make this point, and we'll move to the third one. It's a point of acknowledgement. Preacher, what are you acknowledging when you pray? Here's what I'm acknowledging. God, I can't. And you can. How many of y'all are, are like your preacher in here? Uh, you're a fixer. When something comes, you're like... You have a need, a bill comes. You think, okay, I can sell two children, rent out the third one, and... Uh, 
you, 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 try to, you try to manipulate, you try to, you try to figure it out, you try to do everything you can. And here's what happens. When you come to the limit of your abilities and you come to the limit of your ideas and when it still won't fix the problem, then we get frustrated. And when we get frustrated, we begin to worry. And when we worry, it causes stress in our life. And that's why, that's why Jesus said in Philippians, he said, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry. That's what that means. Careful means anxious or worry. He says, don't worry. Don't worry. Be careful for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. When it comes to worry, he said, don't. He said, just pray. When you have a problem, pray. When you have a need, pray. Pray. When you have an issue, pray. Come to him first. How many of y'all have ever heard this? How many of y'all have ever heard this? I bet you probably said it before. How many of y'all have ever heard this? Well, all we can do now is. And God, you know what God is saying the whole time? You dummy. Y'all know the Lord pulls Fred Sanford out every now and then. Say amen. Let me, let's think about this. All this time, we've tried to figure it out. So all this time, we've got frustrated. All this worry and stress is taking time off of our life. Now, I'm not, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching. I'm putting somebody. I, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm that guy that immediately, when, when something comes up, when a need arises or a problem, uh, somebody, somebody, they say, somebody from the church is mad. I'm already trying to figure out how to fix it. Well, what can I say to make them feel better? What can I do? What can, and I'm, it's bad. I'm telling you, I'm bad. I can't even go to a restaurant. I see somebody from the church over there, and their order's wrong. I feel like i got to go cook it for them. Say amen. i got to fix it. i got to fix it. i got to fix it. I gotta... And you know what? We'll drive ourselves crazy. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? When he said, be careful for nothing. Nothing. But in everything. I always wanted, when I'd hear preachers preach this verse, I'd just want to punch him in the face. In the Lord's name. And this is, this is, what, I would, this is what I'd want to say. I know y'all probably don't think this. Show me where that button is and I'll push it. If you'll show me where the no worry switch is, I promise you, I'll flip that booger. Say amen. I don't want to worry. How do... Well, he gives it right there. He gives it right there. Be careful for nothing but in everything. How many things? Everything. everything. By. I guarantee you this. When I try to do it on my own, I always get frustrated. But when I spend time, now listen, guys, listen, guys. How many of y'all text in here? Anybody text? Okay, so y'all, y'all can relate to this. If you don't ask a five-year-old when you leave, and you'll, they'll tell you what this is. O-M-G is not prayer. There's some of y'all just cracking up. Those are, That's like some new form of sodium. What is that, you know? Are y'all with me? 
for, to translate it for the rest of y'all, it, it, it's oh my goodness, but it's not goodness. Y'all know. In other words, when, it, when, it, when, it, when, it, when a situation comes, <gasps> we use prayer as a crisis line, don't we? Prayer is one or two things to most Christians, either a crisis line or a grocery list. And, 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 and here's, here's what we need to understand. If we will pray and spend time with him in the good times, we won't freak out in the bad times. prayer you remember it's a point of acknowledgement i'm acknowledging i need you i can't and you can do you realize that jesus christ the son of god who came and walked into this earth in deity in humanity form before that he started his earthly ministry do you know he 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 fasted and prayed 40 days 40 days do you realize that when he, the, the night before that he chose his disciples, do you know what he did? He prayed all night long. So how much more should we spend time in prayer and say, God, I can't, but you can. I'm acknowledging that I am weak and you are strong. Why is that important? Do you know that God is attracted to weakness? Paul said, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God loves weakness because weakness gives him the ability to show himself strong. And you want me to tell you what our problem is? Can I just be real with a minute? Just a minute. This just come to me just now. And it didn't, it didn't in the first service, so y'all were getting a blessing. And, and, and look here, let me tell you what our problem is in America. We don't want nobody to think we're weak. We don't want anybody to think we can't. We don't want anybody to think that we, we have a need. We won't admit it when we're broken. We won't admit it when we're hurting. We'll put on a fake smile, we'll put on a fake front, and we'll be dying inside because we're too proud admit we got a weakness we got a need we'd, we'd rather die than admit that we can't when God says it, it's at that point it's at that point that I move it's when you realize you can't and I can what is that all about because when you can he can't get the glory from it let me give you another commercial if your life is easy if your life is easy, then you're not doing what you're supposed to do. If you can, you're not trying hard enough. What's the point? God called a little young man by the name of David to go fight Goliath. Y'all know the story. He goes down in the valley. He kills a giant. But before he kills a giant, this is the most important part of this whole lesson. He said, before this day is over, I'm going to kill you. And everybody in this valley, everybody on that hill, the Philistine, everybody on that hill, the Hebrews, and even you, you're going to know that there is a God in Israel. It wasn't about David's talent. It wasn't about his slinging skills. It wasn't about how fast he was. It wasn't about how strong he was. It was about a God who came and met the need and conquered the enemy and did it through him so he would get the glory. There's a whole lot more preachers smarter than me. There's a whole lot more people more educated. 
and more talented and more all of that stuff. But God's not doing through them what he's doing in this place. You know why? He's attracted to weakness. He's attracted to those people who have great need. Because when you have a great need, you will see that he is a great God. And he's looking for people who have a need, who have a burden, who have something. He wants you to see him. There's so much I want to say and I want to get it out. How many of y'all remember Mary and Martha? Mary and Martha. You with me? Mary and Martha. You know, Lazarus died, died, killed over. Lazarus, Mary and Martha. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They got frustrated. And I get it. I get it because Mary, Martha, and Lazarus was Jesus' buddies. And there was probably nobody on the planet that ministered to Jesus like them three. They would feed him when he was in town. They would uh, show hospitality. They would probably give him shelter and a place to stay. The, The way they worded it when they came to Jesus and gave the message that he who you love, your friend, the one you're tight with, your buddy, he's sick and he's going to die. Now think about this. Jesus' good friends, the one who has ministered to him and blessed him and served him and gave to him and showed generosity to him, they saw him heal the blind and heal the sick and heal the lame. They saw what he could do. They saw that he had power and that he cared about all these people. But when it comes to their need, he wasn't there. When it comes to their problem, he wasn't there. He had ministered to people who hadn't even ministered to him. But, are y'all with me? But when it comes to their problem, and Jesus shows up late. How many of y'all know in man's eyes a lot of times it seems like God's late? And Martha comes out to him. If you'd been here, my brother would not die. They bugged about it. I get it. But you see, Jesus had an agenda. And everybody in this room, you need to get this. Jesus always has an agenda that sometimes we can't see and we don't understand. You see, Jesus wants you to see him bigger than you have ever seen him before. See, they knew Jesus could heal the sick. They saw it. They knew Jesus could provide for things. They, they, they saw that. They, they knew Jesus was a healer. They saw that. They knew that sick people could get well. They saw all that. They knew all of that. But there was one thing he wanted them to know that they didn't know because they had never experienced it. He wanted them to know he was the resurrection. He did not just have power to heal the sick. He had power to raise the dead. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In me is not just medicine. In me is not just healing. In me is life. And guess what? You can't have a resurrection without a death. Come on, y'all getting quiet on me. You can't have a resurrection without a death. You can't have a healing without a sickness. You can't have a miracle without a need. And y'all know what happened. Jesus said, take me to him. He goes to the graveyard. Says, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes out of the grave. 
One commentary said if he hadn't said Lazarus, every dead person in the ground would have got up. Now think about this. Which would you rather seen? Him heal a sick man or him raise a dead man? Now I don't know what your need is and I don't know what your issue is. And I, don't want your, I don't know what your problem is. But I do know this. I have a God who can. And you got to pray. Say, God, I don't know why this is happening. Pray. I don't understand it. When I don't under- and by the way, I've been told this. This is good advice. Do you know when you need to pray? When you don't want to. When you don't feel like praying, that's the time you need to be praying. Amen? Lastly. <clears throat> Lastly. What was number one? What was number one? Say it again. Prayer is the privilege of access. Number two, it's the point of acknowledgement. You're saying, God, I can't. I know you can. God, in my weakness, I want you to be strong in my life. It's a it's point of acknowledgement. And, and then number three, write this down. <clears throat> number three. <clears throat> it's the power of accomplishment. <clears throat> in other words, if it's ever going to get done, the only way it's going to get done is through prayer. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Here's the point to that. Dr. David Jeremiah, and this, by the way, this is coming out of, out, straight out of your, your uh, devotional that you're reading this week. Dr. David Jeremiah, he said this. He said, I searched through the New Testament a, a time ago. And he said, I tried to find something that happened or something that took place significant without prayer. And this is what he said. He said, you know what I found? Nothing. Everything significant that took place in the New Testament was because of prayer. Because of prayer. Now, what do we want to get out of this message today? I want you to understand this. There is great power in prayer. There is great power in prayer. Now, here's what I want you to get. If your motivation for the prayer you're praying is selfish, or if it's to fulfill your own lust, according to the book of James, you're asking amiss. But if it's for the glory of God, you can believe this. The answer's on the way. Why did George Mueller get what he got? Because it was for the glory of God. It was to meet the needs of the ministry that God had called him to. Now, preacher, are you saying that? Don't take from this that I'm saying God won't answer your prayer for something that you desire. or something. Because the Bible says, delight thyself in the Lord and he will give thee the desires of the heart. I promise you this. God has given me a whole lot more than I've ever even asked for. But if we come to God in sincerity and say, Lord, please meet my need. I promise you this. He will not let you down. But the, but the secret, the secret, uh, anytime you say that word, everybody, is you got to do it. Well, that's some secret, isn't it? You have to actually pray. Pray. Come to God 
and pray. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to invite you right now. I want to invite you right now. If you need a miracle, come pray. If you have a need, come pray. Right now, don't even wait, don't even wait for the music to start. If you've got a burden, pray. If you've got a need, pray. If you've got a weakness and you need to see God strong on your behalf, come pray. Maybe you need a job. Maybe you have a sickness. Maybe you've got a, a relational problem in your marriage. Come pray. Maybe you need to see God do something in your family. Come pray. Come pray. Come pray. You just said amen a thousand times. Come practice what we're preaching. Don't be, don't be arrogant. Don't be prideful. Don't think you can do it on your own. Don't think you can fix your issue. Come and say, God, I can't, but you can. Pray in the balcony. That altar's there. That whole wall is an altar. You come pray. Come pray. Come pray. God's bigger than we are. God's stronger than we are. God's, God has more wisdom than we have. Come pray. Come pray. Come pray. Come pray. Jesus said, my house should be known as a house of prayer. We do a lot of preaching. We do a lot of singing. It's time we start doing a lot of praying. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will heal their land. Oh, do you need God to touch you? Come on. Come on, that's it, pray. Come on, seek him. Ask. Come to him. Seek his face. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to 